Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast with me, Matt Fallays. It's been an interesting couple of weeks in island politics. The state-backed and CCA-approved ferry purchase is still the subject of much speculation, while PNR has come out with plans to cut back spending on capital projects, potentially by hundreds of millions of pounds, and is gearing up to oppose a one-off uplift in benefits at next week's states meeting as the fallout continues from the state's big tax debate. To talk about all of that, I was joined in our podcast studio by the president of PNR, Deputy Peter Furbrush. I began by asking him about another topic that's been featuring heavily in our pages in recent days, a move by Deputy Steve Fuller to free up derelict greenhouse sites to help solve the island's housing crisis. Deputy Furbrush, I want to ask you about uh, greenhouse sites because we were reporting on uh, Deputy Steve Fuller last week yep. making an appeal for the states to liberalise planning, zoning effectively yep. on, on um, greenhouse sites. That's something that you've spoken about in the past. I believe that you have met Deputy Fuller this I met, week. I met him this what week. was the outcome of that meeting? Well, he talked me through his ideas uh, and unless he's changed, his view was that he's not suggesting that every derelict greenhouse site be built on, but that they be actively considered. And I share that view. That was what we were talked about. We talked about other things as well. Uh, my action plan to try and, uh, which I've got to formulate in fi- final detail yet, uh, to uh, try and do something a bit more than we're doing in relation to building properties, because we talk a lot and then we build six houses. Uh, and the backlog, both social housing and private housing gets worse and worse and everybody says oh it's all so difficult things are difficult but if you don't try and solve a problem you you can't my view in relation to it is that we should look at those sites there should be a presumption that we can develop them there may be some you can't you know they're in a narrow lane and uh, it would be impossible to uh, deal with them you'd have cars going up and down it'd be a real hazard etc etc uh, or it's overlooking some beautiful fields and they should be reverted to it should be reverted to a field but there must be some of those that could be actively developed and that's what we've got to do the frustration i was going to say with the states but very often in the states and you've spoken about this a lot yep. is is not so much coming up with good ideas but is then putting them into action well there's always a sharp now, intake wh- of breath what can actually be done i mean i know that if you got to the point where the states agreed that, that housing could use some of those sites, the states would be able to put that into action and find contractors. What? But how are you going to get well, to that quite, stage? would they? Because if they were zoned for non-housing, uh, they wouldn't be able to get planning permission without uh, a change to the IDP. You'd have to suspend the IDP. I'm in favour of doing that in certain instances and making really radical changes. Because it's all right saying, yes, we've got to protect every piece of green land and we mustn't build on too many bits of green land, obviously, obviously. And technically, if a, a derelict greenhouse site, glasshouse site, uh, there's a, a state's resolution you go back to when Queen Victoria was on the throne, I think, saying it reverts back to agricultural land. Some of it will never be fit for agricultural land and some of it should be built on. Others should be protected. But we've got to do something. We must, we must start with the presumption that we can do things and then uh, there's got to be a good reason not to. So you're trying to formulate an action plan or the beginnings of it. Yeah. Give me a, a, a percentage level of confidence that you will be able to provoke getting something before the states which can unlock this issue before the end of the term. Well, I know uh, it, it's like predicting when Spurs are going to win their next FA Cup, really. Uh, it's that difficult. Uh, 
I wouldn't like to say it's a high percentage, but I'm going to definitely try. Uh, and it's got to put people to the test because everybody says yes. Everybody without exception says yes, housing is the major problem because it is. Uh, this will put people, the 40 people who are elected, 38 deputies are the two ordinary reps, uh, to the test to say yes, let's now do something practical. Because we've just passed the housing, indi housing indicator, or it was, and I voted for all of those propositions. Uh, and that was a good thing to do. I mean, some of them were thought were a bit limited, but at least there was something going forward because it talked about 1,500 houses over five years, etc., etc. But we've got to build those 1,500, and uh, we probably are a 1,000 short anyway, in addition to that 1,500. One of the things that you and your colleagues on PNR have acted uh, with a lot of speed over is a review of capital projects. Yep. Yeah, you were effectively directed to, to do it by the states in the tax review debate. Yep which finished in February, yep. and you've already come back saying yep. you've, you've carried out your review and you're proposing some changes to the programme, which we'll talk about in a moment. But only a, a matter of weeks have, have passed since then. Surely you can't have carried out a very thorough, considered review of all of the £568 million worth of projects. Well, uh, you could either make decisions or you can uh, review and review and review. I mean, I had a very good friend of mine who I used to share a flat with when I was a law student who was cleverer than me, uh, who was very good at coming up with work plans. The trouble is he never passed his exams because he never worked his plans. Whereas my uh, remedy was I go to bed every evening, my books would be on the floor, I get up in the morning and I read my books and I passed. Uh, so uh, they cut the, there is a balance. I think we've struck that balance because all those plans have been through the states in the sense they've been approved 10 million for this, 50 million for that, whatever. Uh, and uh, so we knew what we were looking at and we knew what we could afford. And we'll be giving the states, we've got a presence meeting tomorrow, tomorrow's Friday, where we will be saying to the presidents that we had a presentation from uh, Treasury officers on Tuesday. This is what we can afford. This is what we'd have to borrow if we did this. Uh, this is a potential way forward. How disappointed are you with capital projects, generally speaking? Because one of your criticisms of previous states' terms was that the capital programmes had been slow, yep. uh, there hadn't been adequate investment in infrastructure. Indeed. But in reality, there hasn't been any improvement in that so no, far in this state's term, has there? Not much at all. I mean, it might be the odd thing. We have done some things, but I don't pretend there's been massive improvement. I would like to do all these projects and more. I really would. I think they're all valuable projects. But we've got two considerations. Firstly, the building industry is completely hot at the moment. I think it will temper uh, come back in a year or so or whatever. I don't know. Predict it. We can't predict an exact period of time. So, you know, it's a bit like these are my glasses. If they're the only pair of glasses in the world, you pay a fortune for them. If there's a million pairs, you pay top take me. Uh, we've got to balance it out. And also, we want the building industry to have a throughput of work, you know, rather than have a glut of work, uh, that it'll press out the market because it wants to do this and it doesn't want to do that. Uh, I mean, when I was president of economic development, within a few weeks, the building and construction industry were coming to me saying, we haven't got any work. That was only a few years ago, six, seven years ago. Uh, so that's the first thing. And secondly, you've got to have the money. You know, Mr. McCorber might have waited for something to turn up, but uh, nothing's turned up. A consequence of the tax debate, and I'm not blaming Deputy A or anybody, but the consequence of it is we made no decision about any kind of realistic raising of revenue. 
We cannot afford to do all these projects. It's terrible. I want Guernsey to be bright and pristine, and it's not as bright and pristine as it should be. But if we haven't got the money, we can't do the projects, and there are consequences. The state's decided it didn't want to take any active revenues in relation to that, uh, didn't make any decisions. So, you know, we're there to tell the, 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 the truth. It's very easy to, to, to uh, march under a banner and sing Sweet Caroline in Market Square. These are the consequences of singing Sweet Caroline in Market Square. You know that there are some people outside the States who are now saying because PNR didn't get their tax plan through the States, they're going to uh, make it as difficult as possible for other States members. Um, and they're going to continue to say you know, month after month after month, you have to deal with the consequences of your inaction and failing to take the committee's recommendations yep. over tax. Can, can you just respond to that? Yeah, point? a lot of people have used the word you're trying to punish people. We're not trying to punish anybody. We're just telling the truth. Uh, we would rather have gone on and done things because that was what we are, the five individuals who are members of PNR. Uh, we would have rather gone on and done things, but we have to accept the consequences of it. And uh, we're not, you know, we're, states members might go in July and say, we're going to do everything. All, you know, we're going to carry out, it doesn't matter what you pay us, we're going to do the hospital, we're going to do the school, we're going to do all these other things that would otherwise be, uh, be uh, delayed. And we're going to, well, the figures will be that we cannot afford them, which means we will have to borrow large sums of money. We'll then have to work out how we're going to pay for that money back, and we can't on our current financial predictions. If the states had accepted your very ambitious and, and far-reaching tax plans, mm. Do you think, I know you're, you can't be certain about this, but do you think your committee would now be recommending pressing ahead, both with the education capital project and phase two of the Princess Elizabeth Hospital? I think we may have said anyway, and I'm not, I haven't discussed that particular point with my four colleagues, but I think we may have said anyway, look, let's just hold on some of them simply because then it wouldn't have been so much the money, although that would still be a consideration. But the major consideration then would be, you know, you've got, a, you've got an overheated building uh, industry and uh, it's silly paying X when if you waited for a bit, you could pay a bit less than X. The contractors are already doing phase one up at the hospital. Yep. Uh, they're appointed to, to continue on. The planning permission is in place. Uh, I'm not sure the detailed planning permission is totally in place for phase two. I'm not sure it is, but it, some of it is. They're not as developed. They've, remember, they've joined together phases two yeah. and three. But that is the second part of a project which is already underway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because as I understand it, my understanding is, I'm calling it the school project, but it's much more than that, uh, a transforming education project. But it is, that's more than everybody centering on the sixth form centre, etc. But it's much more than that. I think that's about 10 or 15% of the overall project. Uh, and that's further down the line in relation to planning, etc, etc. Et but you're right, I think the intention was that the very good contractors who are doing a good job on phase one of the hospital would, all things being equal, have then immediately carried on with the second phase. And they are, they, they can be mobilised relatively quickly. Mm. Uh, the pr estimated cost of that phase two is not m very much more than the estimated cost. Well, the only of, thing of, in relation to that, well. though, the only thing in relation to that, uh, and it predates me, and I'm not, again, criticising those that were there before, uh, but it started out at X, and it's now a multiple of a number of Xs. Uh, and I'm not sure that we've actually got to the bottom of what X, finalised what X is going to be, or X, Y, Z, and P, Q, R, S, T. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. So I'm not sure we are going to get, we have got that. I think we're further advanced in relation to the school project, again, in that definition, uh, 
as to that. But the states may decide that, uh, for example, they'll do the hospital rather than the school. If so, uh, we're going to have to borrow money to uh, on the current projections to be able to do that. Except that, Les Oswey, of course, you or, or ESC don't have a contractor yet. No. So, so you have a project at the hospital where you yep. do have a contractor and you know that you could move quite seamlessly from phase one to phase two. Yep. And yet at Les Osway... I believe we would get a contractor. You, you, there isn't a contractor at, no, no, there at the present the time. And, I believe... and the sixth form, at least, is in adequate facilities at uh, Le Varand. What about the so, rest of it? So, what about the rest of the institute? What about uh, the rest of the uh, the tertiary education project, etc., etc.? You could conceivably carry out that? that part of the project... How could you carry with, that w- ...without the sixth form element, couldn't you? Well, OK. You're still going to need a contractor to do that, aren't you? It's not a kit form. It needs to be constructed. It needs to be dealt with. It needs a contractor. So you do see it as either the PEH phase two or the school's project. Is well, that think, the way that I you're think going to present it to the pra- states? Because, again, any delay of any project will cost money, Which it, whether it's a hospital or anything else or any of the other issues that we've got to address. Of course, that will cost money unless we have deflation, which nobody wants, because inflation will, pay, will take the cost up uh, in relation to those projects. Um We've got to face that, but you know, we, you have to deal with realities in life. You know, I might, I might want to buy an expensive car. If I can't afford to buy it, I don't buy it. Final question on capital projects: You personally, how close were you to recommending phase two at the PEH rather than Les Osway, or did you regard it as? almost a, a, a no-brainer to use. No, I don't think it was a no-brainer. No, no, it was a difficult decision. It was a close decision. I don't mean it was 3-2 in PNR. I'm not disclosing that. Is, is like the committee that. unanimous on it? Uh, yeah, I think we were. I, I'm, you know, I'm just making sure because we've discussed it. Yes, we were unanimous uh, in relation to these things. None of us wanted to delay anything. None of us looked forward to putting these recommendations to the states. None of us uh, found the decision easy. Before the capital project uh, projects are debated again by the states in July, the states meet next week. Yep. Um, and the major item up for discussion is a proposal from Employment and Social Security to increase for benefits by three and a uprating yeah. of pensions and benefits, which is not unique but is unusual. It is unusual. And they say that they're proposing this because it's an environment of high inflation and pensioners and some of the poorer people in society will be worse off if you wait until the 1st of January operating as normal. Now, PNR is opposing that proposal. You can understand the, the optics. It looks as if the first consequence of the state's failure to agree PNR's tax plan is that some of the poorest people in the island and pensioners have to suffer as a result of that state's decision. Not really. How do you see it? Well, because everybody's suffering because of high inflation. Well, everybody, 95%. I'm sure there are some people that benefit, but 95% of people are suffering because of high inflation. The proposals are just under three and a half million. It's about half of 545,000, I think, come from, would come from general revenue. Two million from the fund, which, which funds... Uh, old age pension, it's called state's pension now, but old age pension and the other various other benefits and the balance from the long-term health fund, or whatever its technical term. Now, uh, so PNR would have to find another half a million pounds, which is find another half a million pounds, and be a bagatelle, of course, half a million pounds. Uh, and the other funds, which are 
under strain. There is plenty of money in them in the sense that they're not going to run out of money tomorrow, but they would have that money taken from their capital. Uh, and we've already projected, if I remember correctly, that what I'm calling the old age pension fund, but it does cover other matters. Uh, if no money was put into that, that would run out of money in about four and a half years. And I think the other fund's something over five years. The exact figures are, uh, are available. Uh, and where we have been constantly told, and I believe accurately told, uh, by Employment and Social Security, that we're going to have to put up rates. We've all, the states already agreed to put up contribution rates. And you're saying to people, you're saying to people, a 35-year-old uh, taxpayer, you've got to be putting money. We've got to pay extra money to pay these extra benefits because that's what it'll come down to. That's what that money will have to be replaced. That's what it'll come down to. When that person didn't have a seven percent pay rise last year, or hasn't got a seven percent pay rise this year, and is also the victim of inflation because he or she is educating their children, feeding their children, paying their rent, paying their mortgage. That's the difficulty. And the bulk of this money, something over two point two million of the three point five million, is for the is for the old age pension. Now. Uh, in relation to that, uh, I think it's over 50% of the pensioners, it's, it's half their income. 34, say a third of them, it's a quarter of their income. 15% of people are living outside the island. But of course, there are pensioners in need of money. Not everybody gets a full pension, even those that are living on their pension. They don't get the full £250 a week. They get £100 a week, £150 a week, whatever it may be. But there's other benefits that could be attributed to them to help them. The states decided, and I was one of the very few that voted against it, to lift the cap on uh, income support benefits previously. I don't understand the logic of that. I still don't understand the logic of that. And some of the increases, the bulk of the, what's it, 2.2 out of 3.5 million, whatever percentage that is, certainly well over half, 60, 60% or whatever it might be, 58% is on the old age pension, the state pension. There is tinkering with, uh, with sickness benefit. Most of that would go to the employer. Tinkering with other benefits, some of which would go to the care provider. Uh, it's not channeling those benefits at uh, people who necessarily would get them. Some of our channeled, I accept that. Also, inflation last year was 8.5%. This would increase it to 9.9%. They do explain it in a footnote in the policy letter. I don't under, I've read that footnote 20 times. I don't understand it. They say, well, it's a 2.9 increase between that. But the fact is, if the benefits are increased from early July, which is the proposal, those benefits would then be 9% higher, 9.9% uh, .9 higher than they would have been on the 31st of December of last year. I wish we could do it. I really do wish we could do it. It's not anybody punishing anything. It's again saying these are the figures. Uh, do you want to ask me a prediction about how, whether that will go through or not? Well, so I'm quite, happy. All, I'm quite I, happy to answer it, that question. It, nevertheless, there are thousands of pensioners who will, during the course of this year, if these proposals don't go through, will be worse off because yep. they have they will have waited. Well, it will be months earlier that they had their most recent increase. Then they're suffering the effects of inflation. And people on income support, who by definition are the poorest people in Guernsey. Now, now surely, given the reasons that you went into the states, yep. you don't want those people to I have do. to suffer financially. I don't want as a result of, of previous states' decisions. No, I don't want them to suffer because of a previous state. But they will, won't they? If, no, no. If, but if they won't suffer. They have had your... the. We, that's the states of Guernsey, public money review. Uh, what you're going to pay by way of benefits, pensions, etc., by looking at the end of June cost of living index. Uh, income support had this review in October, I think it was, uh, and those were, those were adjusted accordingly. I wish that we had the money 
to do this. I really do wish, I wish we could channel those benefits to people that could afford it. I mean, some of it, for example, it's increasing family allowance by something like 46 to 50p a week. That's tokenism for some people who are earning 80, 90,000 pounds a year and they've got a couple of kids so they get an extra pound a week or whatever the exact arithmetic is. It's not channeled. It's not channeled. It's not refined. Uh, it's well-intentioned and people, you know, experienced good politicians are saying this is the thing to do. Uh, but we're just saying the average wages went up 5. 5.2, 5.3% for Mr. Bloggs, Miss Smith. That's what they've had to live on with inflation at 9.9%, at 8.5%, not 9.9%, 8.5%. They've had to suffer a decrease in their standard of living. Before I ask you what you think the outcome of that debate will be, why haven't you laid an amendment to target the proposed increase at least for income support beneficiaries. We did so think, taking your arguments about yeah, pension, I accept that. Taking your arguments about family allowance, but why not just target it yeah, on income support? We certainly thought about that. And we thought, no, this is a matter that must be presented to the states. And the states can decide these issues uh, on the 26th, 27th of April. So that's what we thought. Okay. And what do you think the outcome will be? I think the people will pass it. I think it will be passed. I mean, uh, I think it will be passed because people who said... Uh, who marched to Church Square, sang Sweet Caroline and did those other things, will say, yes, we've got to do it. But we're going to have to face the consequences soon of doing these things. It's not going to bring the world... The, the walls of Jericho are not going to come, down, come tumbling down if the states make that decision this coming week. And I hate doing it because, you know, I want... I, I, the rich can always look after themselves, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way because there's no harm in being well off. Uh, but it's the poor people that are suffering. As you say... There are a big chunk of pensioners, that's their only income. They're £100 a week or up to £250 a week, whatever they get. That's all that they have got to live on in a very difficult period of time. Finally, I want to talk to you about the, the purchase of the vessel. Yep. Um, and I know that you are legally restricted yep. in, in many respects here as a, a chairman of the Civil Contingencies Authority. Uh, if you divulge anything yep. that happened in that meeting, then, then you risk a term of imprisimment. But so I'm not even going to go true. there. But um, the Policy and Resources Committee was involved as a result of the emergency that the Civil Contingencies Authority identified. Yep. And PNR is not... Uh, required to abide by the same level of, of confidentiality? No, legally. we're not. We're not. But we can only disclose what there were confidential and commercial matters anyway uh, uh, that we we it would not be proper to disclose. Not because we've got anything to hide or anybody's got anything to hide, but uh, you want that you want people if they deal with you on a commercial deal to be able to uh, at least respect. Have you respect the confidentiality of the agreement? So has PNR disclosed everything that it is legally permitted to disclose up to this point? Yeah, I think we have. I mean, and I say I think we have because we're reliant on legal advice and I'm not carrying behind that as a, an experienced lawyer, but, you know, I'm not advising myself uh, because my view, and I know the view of the other people on PNR, is that we're not just talking about the you know, the boat instance, we should disclose everything that we probably can disclose about any state's affairs, really, because uh, we're just representatives of the public. And any money that is spent uh, in whether it's buying a boat or buying a school or building a school or, you know, whatever it might be, is public money. So the interest rate, the terms of the loan, the, the, those those things... If I could disclose could it to disclosed, you... Can't they? Well, uh, if they can be, they will be. If they can be, they will be. There's no... 
there's no intent to hide things. If we get advice that we could disclose those things and it wouldn't breach any confidentiality or any commercial provision or any legal provision, we will disclose them. There's no wish to, you know, say, well, we know and we're not going to tell you because the public are entitled to know if we're allowed to tell them. Finally, on this subject, are you able to provide any indication as to why Jersey were not involved in the deal, despite... Yeah, I can. I mean, I can't, well, I'm not talking about the deal, but we've been speaking to uh, Jersey in connection with the Condor contract, if I can call it that. Uh, I'm sure my predecessors were as well, but I have for the last two and a bit years. Um, and because the Condor contract, Guernsey never had a contract, as you know, it had a memorandum of understanding, but effectively it shadowed to a material degree what Jersey had. The Jersey stroke Condor contract is in rundown. It runs out in a couple of years' time. Uh, we've been actively encouraging our colleagues in Jersey uh, that we should be able to enter into a, a, a tripartite agreement, if we can, with Jersey Condor uh, and us. And we're still actively pursuing that. Do you think we've strengthened our relationship with Condor and strengthened our transport links generally? beyond the mere purchase of the vessel. In other words, yeah, goodwill, th there's now a financial yeah. relationship, isn't there? Yeah, I think we have. I think we have. Uh, you know, uh, it was done, the, 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 the deal was effected under the provisions of the civil contingency law, uh, but I think we have. And I'd love to do, you know, I, I would hope that in, I'm not going to say six months' time or a year's time, I would hope as soon as we reasonably can, uh, we and Jersey and Condor have got an agreement that, all three parties are content with. And you're not going to face questions on this in the States next week. Are you slightly surprised that none have been submitted? Well, and I was also... Remember, I did a statement uh, what just the last States meeting, and this issue was bubbling along. And, you know, I was expecting a question, but I can only answer the questions that are put to me, as you would know. Slightly disengaged states members at times. Perhaps they were preoccupied with other issues. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Pleasure. Deputy Furbrush, and we'll see you in the States next week. Thank you very much. That was the President of PNR, Deputy Peter Furbrush. Separately, we've been speaking to Deputy Steve Fuller and Deputy Lindsay DeSumray about those big issues, and you can also hear that conversation on this feed. Just a reminder that we'll be back at the States next week with comprehensive coverage of the April meeting in the pages of the Guernsey Press, alongside our usual shorthand states updates on this feed. So please keep an ear out for them. Take care for now.